The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Women's Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericawomen.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff and management. Welcome to Humanity Evolve with your host, Catherine Colarco. This program will bring your life, family, and community together by focusing on the new technologies and innovations that define your world in an open and relaxed forum of ideas and discussion. Now, here is Catherine Colarco. Welcome. This is Catherine. It's so exciting to be with you today on Humanity Evolve. This show's goal is to inspire, empower, and inform our community with wisdom from credible and trusted world experts who will genuinely share their knowledge and nurture what is best in ourselves. Our goal is to have you have one thing that you can do this week that truly celebrates you for the magic and the gift that you are to all all of us in this world. And today I'm super excited. I've got my friend, Dr. Joan Rosenberg, who I just think is amazing. And she's really, really tapped into something that I feel is a, a necessary tool, especially in these challenging times at the moment, is how to avoid, how to really navigate and master uh, negative emotions. So let me tell you a little bit about Joan. She's uh, phenomenal, uh, first of all. Second, she's a best-selling author, consultant, media host, and master clinician. Dr. Joan Rosenberg is a cutting-edge psychologist who is known as an innovative thinker and acclaimed speaker and trainer. She recently did an amazing TEDx talk that you need to download and take a chance to look at later. She has been recognized for her thought leadership and influence in personal development. A California licensed psychologist, she speaks on how to build confidence, self-esteem, conversational and uh, relational mastery, neuroscience, and psychotherapy. She's also done a huge amount of work on documentaries, CNN, American Morning, The Own Show, PBS, and has her own podcast called The Mindstream Podcast. So if you want to learn more, there's ways of connecting with Dr. Joan after this. Joan, it's so great to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited that you have this going. This is great. Yeah, it's super fun. I've, I've had some amazing conversations, and uh, we're, uh, we just had Nadine uh, Chrisberger, yes, last week, and we talked about the seven aspects of goddess and uh, the characters on how to master who we are. And coming up, we've got Stephen Kotler and uh, Fabian Cousteau. So today, I want to focus on one of the things that we have talked about a lot is um, that people avoid negative emotions. They almost want to, like, that doesn't exist. We have to be this perfect positivity. Or they become overwhelmed and consumed by negative emotions, especially with what's going on now in, in, in the U.S. What, what is that about? I mean, tell me a little bit about your experience and your story and, and, and how this, uh, this journey evolved for you. Uh, you've got lots of questions there, so let me try to tackle them one by one. They, uh, my journey, I'm a psychologist, as you know, and, and my journey started probably about 25, 30 years ago when I ended up kind of drawing out what I would call a blueprint 
that what I now recognize is a, a blueprint for what I uh, what I would call self esteem or self confidence. It's, it's actually is a pathway to it, and mm. and you know I I started out as a very shy child and uh, pretty attuned and pretty sensitive, and I have a history of having been bullied in my background, and mm. all of those kind of elements came together, and and I wanted to understand in all likelihood some of the pain that I was going through, and certainly in the process of self discovery. Uh, I also was able to discover not only things about myself, but as I went through my graduate program and started to work with people, began to understand and see patterns more and more and more. And one of the things that I recognized, and it actually initially came out of my work with women who struggled, predominantly women who struggled with with eating eating disorders or eating disorder problems, eating problems, and their focus tended to be on food, weight, and appearance. Mm. And and what I understood during that time is that it, that was a total distractor. It's like huh. it, the focus is really not on food. It, as much as they were focusing on those three things, the truth was is that the difficulty they had experiencing their thoughts, feelings, needs, and perceptions was really more more the focus. And and then I dialed it even more to feelings. Huh. Uh, that 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 as much as our thinking can uh, uh, kind of stop us and act as an obstacle for us, I I actually believe that the how we experience and express feeling can become even more of an uh, an obstacle and especially unpleasant feeling. Most of us do pleasant feelings well. It's just that right. we don't do what what I would call unpleasant feelings well. So. So you're saying that when you when you started looked at what was happening for you and also for these women, is a lot of the uh, the things they were exhibiting in their behavior was really related to their their lack of mastery of um, negative emotions specifically or ability to articulate it or tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, and again, I I I never had an eating disorder, so I can't speak to it. No, of course. Point, but but um, it was with the women that I was again predominantly women that I was working with. And and what they would want to come in and be talking about is is the kind of food that they were either eating too much of or restricting from, uh-huh. the, and and what they looked like, and uh, and what they weighed, as if huh. as if those elements were the most important elements. But what right. I realized is that they tended to focus on those things when they wanted to not focus on other things, and what they didn't want to focus on were, were unpleasant feelings. So it could be feelings about a parental divorce. It could be feelings about not being selected for the swim team. It might be feelings about not not making the grades that they thought they should be making when they made those kind of grades in high school. It, I mean, it was all sorts of things like that. And, and so that they would be feeling angry or sad or disappointed, but not want to experience those feelings. And then I started to notice that pattern everywhere. And that it, that it was it wasn't just the the those who were struggling with eating challenges. Everybody else was distracting in some other way. So it right. could have been distracting through porn. Now it can be distracting through social media. It could have been distracting through drugs or alcohol. I mean, it, it, the the it, there's an endless array of possibilities of yeah. how people distract from unpleasant feelings. 
Right, and they, and 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 when you see what are the the some of the effects of that, right? So, it, and when you said you're seeing it right right now, it's showing up in a, a greater amount. You know, that when do you know when you're too much on social media and you're using it as a distraction versus when when is it sort of like just part of your life? You know, it's sort of an experience. I mean, how do you know when there's something that you're not dealing with? Well, I think that I think in many cases we know when we're not dealing with certain things. We know when yeah. we're pushing things away. Um, right. But but when we are when we notice that we're um, we're going for a phone or we're going for if we want to use social media as an example, um, then it's at a point where we're distressed about something and we reach for something else. Uh, and and that we're uh, that we get lost in it as opposed to staying focused on the things that we either want to get done by way of thinking thinking our way through them or we want to get done because they're actual other kinds of tasks like doing the laundry or whatever it might be it doesn't doesn't matter what it is um, but you know it, it, the dishes could be sitting in the sink for all we know but we you know there's this we distract ourselves from doing that mostly because we don't like the task or we find it uncomfortable to do or whatever. So it's it's the it's when we find that we're doing something to get away from something else that we can understand it's a distraction. Mm. So then you were talking a little bit about you know the pathways to it and how you're seeing the patterns. So what are the universal patterns or the blueprint that you've that you noticed in in this uh, in your research? Well, the, the here's a, I should probably speak to the feelings themselves and yeah, okay, and the, great. And, and so that so the people have an idea of what I'm talking about, and 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 someone can self-assess as they're listening to to the conversation. The what I noticed is there were about seven or eight feelings that that are the common the common feeling outcome or the common feeling result of things not turning out the way we want. Okay. Okay. So yep. people got to stop and think about that for a moment. It's like it's like what when when you go after something, when you go to take a risk to, to go after something, or or when people talk about fear of failure, I think what they're really talking about is not wanting to experience the feelings that will result if things don't turn out the way you want. So the mm. feelings are sadness, shame, helplessness, anger, embarrassment vulnerability, a disappointment, and frustration. Right. So there's, there's eight feelings there. Right, right. So sadness, shame. Shame, help, helplessness. Shame, yeah, it was a big one. Helplessness, anger, which you see a lot of that. Um, right. Embarrassment, which is an interesting one because that, I think that's a lot of why people don't do public speaking, right? Vulnerability. Right. Um, disappointment, which, you know, life brings all that, uh, and frustration, where, you know, something's not going the way we're expecting, and it creates that fear. Um, yep. Now, you it, you haven't put fear in here. Is that is that a is that an outcome of some of these, or? No, I didn't put anxiety in there either. And yeah. I didn't put guilt in there either. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so, so, so yeah. there's, there's, yes, there's, I've actually thought about this. So, if we look at the way psychology defines Fear. Fear basically is danger right now. Right. So it's, it's danger or life threat in the moment. And and right now, most of us who are listening to this, to this conversation probably are not facing real fear. Right. Right. 
right, because exactly. there's no there's no danger that you know that we're that we're that we're our, our, we're going to be physically hurt or our life is threatened or something. So mm-hmm. the I, the truth then is, if there is danger present, then I want people to feel fear because it's the innate reaction we should be feeling in that. Right. Sense. Exactly. But, exactly. But that but that people misuse the word fear. Hmm. when they're not really in a place of danger. So my bias is, I, of many things I would like to do, I would love for people to start using the more accurate words to speak to their experience. And when they use fear, they're actually not in fear. Right. They might, it might actually right? be, yeah. There's no tigers in cubicles, right? And, Correct. And sometimes, yes. yeah, it might, and it might be hiding other other aspects of it that might be harder to talk about. Is, you know, like being feeling shame or or anger. It might be harder. Uh, it's easier to say, "Oh, I'm afraid of this," right? Um, so, and I, I just see a lot of fear on uh, you know social media at the moment, and uh, and some of it is real, uh, and some of it is uh, projected. You know, um, so in right. terms of these so, seven, so I, yeah, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Now, what I was what I was going to say in relation to that is that probably the most apt descriptor for all of us, for not all of us, for many of us to to describe what's going on, would, would be uh, the experience of feeling vulnerable. Mm. The, the, so so that so that what and he, and he, again here's the here's my thinking around it. Not only are we realistically more vulnerable, meaning that. The, and I think of vulnerability as a, a kind of an a, typically as an openness and a willingness to be hurt or to learn. So vulnerability right. means we could get hurt. Um, so that there's a a raised awareness, and not only is there um, in reality probably more possibility of getting hurt, but what is heightened. More than the right now, the the realistic nature of us getting hurt is our awareness that we could mm. get hurt. So, so mm. our degree, it, what has changed uh, significantly in the United States, in particular, for those listening here, is yeah. that it's the it's the awareness, it's the degree of awareness that we have about our vulnerability, as opposed to the reality yet. Mm. we could get hurt right right it's the it's the projection of what might happen um correct and the feeling that that you have lost control of what you thought was the real world right um right right yeah and you talk a a, a, so in terms of these kind of using you you mentioned using these language using the words correctly and and Mm -hmm. not getting lost in other things can we talk a little bit about some of the other emotions and how you articulate that and what what does that mean for for people in terms of you know defining it and having that conversation with themselves uh, you know the the most the most obvious one is the use of fear yeah. when people aren't really feeling fear so if i if i translate it out if i tease it out the probably people would the more accurate word would be anxiety right uh, it, because anxiety, it, again, to go with the more traditional definition of anxiety, it's a diffuse apprehension of the future. It's right. like this con- kind of ambiguous, unformed, you know, hesitancy around what might happen in the future, and and again, anticipating that a negative event or a negative outcome is going to occur. Right. And and yet, 
I also really believe that the word anxiety is a cover or like an umbrella over the eight feelings I just mentioned. Huh. And that more often than not, when people describe feeling anxious, the more accurate word to that would actually be that they're feeling vulnerable in many instances. Uh, and then, I, and then I, there's many situations where people will describe feeling anxious when what they're really feeling is something like sad, angry, or disappointed. So, yeah. uh, they, but, it's, but it's way easier for them to allow themselves to feel anxious, to have that state of being, if you will, than to actually be fully in touch with the sadness, What's the anger, and the disappointment. Yeah, because then that's when the tears come in. The the one one of we've had this conversation about, um, you know, anger is sort of the the umbrella over sadness, and uh, so, so being able to know when there's anger is to have the conversation about the sadness part or to recognize the sadness part, and um and and, and allow that to exhibit, you know, but don't don't wallow in it. Um, I, I just found that fascinatingly helpful in terms of going, look, why am I angry? What am I really? What am I angry about? Oh, um, you know, what is underneath that? You know, is it really angry at something or is it truly uh, uh, trying to bolster up or cover something else that I need to deal with, such as a sadness or a loss of something that in my life, you know, or something like that? And um, so that you're right. kind of, you're, you're alluding to that, that this, that really understanding the core underneath an emotion associated with a state of anxiety or fear helps you to kind of know what is really triggering it and how to actually transform it. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and my, again, my bias is that it's really helpful if people, when they feel, if they tend to feel sad and disappointed in most situations in their life, then it's good for them to ask, be asking questions like, what might I also be frustrated or angry about? And for those who tend towards anger and frustration as their first kind of immediate response to things, it's really good for them to be asking themselves, what might I also be sad or disappointed about? So that they're actually kind of responding to both ends of the continuum of what we experience, at least in the unpleasant realm. Right. I love that. Ask the questions. I love those two questions associated with what do I feel sad or what do I feel vulnerable about? What is really going on underneath that to actually explore that? And in some weird way, isn't that what helps you to not be so angry or anxious? Uh, yeah, well, yes. It will probably dissipate the ang- ang- whatever anxiety is there right away. And, yeah. then the rest, and then the rest of it is allowing themselves, allowing themselves to experience and move through the unpleasant feelings because as we've talked about and as I talked about in my TED Talk, it's, it's allowing the, like a feeling waves of roughly 90 seconds in length. Right. Wow, that's a great place to stop. 90 seconds. We're going to we are going to talk jo- Dr. Joan is going to talk you through exactly how to master this and be able to feel the negative emotion but not be overwhelmed by it and and not be consumed by it. And I think this is a, a, an important mastery technique that enables us to truly transform and live a happier, healthier life. And we're going to come back right after the break and continue with Joan uh, Rosenberg to talk about this and give you the insight insights on how to transform and be able to manage that 90 seconds. This is Catherine Calarco on Humanity Evolve, and we'll be right back with Dr. Joan Rosenberg. (music) 
If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you're listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. This is Humanity Evolve with Katherine Calarco. To reach our show today, please call in to 1-866-613-1612. Again, that's 1-866-613-1612. Or you may send an email to info at ccalarco.com. Now, back to Humanity Evolve. Welcome back. This is Catherine Calarco with Humanity Evolve, and we have Dr. Joan Rosenberg, who is talking to us today about how to be live a confident and vital life through being able to manage and successfully deal with negative emotions. Just before the break, she was talking about the seven or eight feelings uh, that we that we have that are unsettling for us, that are negative emotions, sadness, shame, helplessness, anger, embarrassment, vulnerability, disappointment, frustration, and that some of the other emotions like anxiety and fear are actually umbrellas that cover those. Joan, you, just before the break, you had a couple of questions to ask yourself about that. What were those questions again? That when somebody, if you notice your tendency in terms of how you tend to react to things. And your yep. tendency is to be sad or disappointed. That's kind of your first response to things typically, uh, especially if they're, if they're conflictual or hurtful. Right. And, and you go, you, it's like you go right to sadness or disappointment. And I think it's really important for you to be asking the question, what might I also be frustrated or angry about? Mm. And for those people who tend to be more reactive and... Uh, and experience feeling angry and frustrated right away. Right. I think it's really, I think it's really important for those individuals to be asking, "What might I also be sad or disappointed about?" That's excellent. I hope everybody wrote those down. Those are great. Um, so you have an, appoint, uh, an approach for helping people experience and move through these these uh, these these eight feelings. Can you describe that and sort of give people an insight on how to master that ninety seconds? Right. Uh, you know, one of the things that I give you a little backstory on it, and then I'll sure. respond directly to your question. What I noticed is that again, this is after many years, decades of, of working with people in my psychotherapy practice and coaching practices. And what I noticed is that, again, that thinking gets in the way, but the, our feelings tended to get in the way more. But it wasn't that people didn't want to feel something. The uh-huh. truth is we all, we all want to feel the whole range of feelings that we have. That's and, great. But, but what I, as neuro, the neuroscience information started to develop and come out more and more, they started to link how, the, how we know what we're feeling 
with actually bodily sensation. Mm. And, then, and then everything like clicked together for me. And what I understood was that it wasn't that we didn't want to feel something. It's that we didn't want to feel the bodily sensation that let us know what we were feeling. Huh. Amazing. So, so we didn't want to feel the, the, feel what, the that negative sensation. emotion. Yeah. Hmm. That let us, and, and actually I'm going to switch your language a little bit. So, so I'm, yeah. I'm picky about language. So you're using negative emotion and I don't think of feeling as negative and I don't think of feeling as bad. So, uh, I, I, the, so that I would say if it, because feelings are actually exist for our protection, either for protection or connection. So right. protection when we're in experiences of danger and, and for connection when we feel safe and, and want to be social. So, and those tend to be the more pleasant feelings. So the so let's 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 if we can just call them either unpleasant or uncomfortable, unsettling, you know, something like that, as opposed to uh, having them be perceived as negative or bad. And right. and so so then what I realized is so that was one major piece of kind of neuroscience information that came out, and then other information came out, and it was and I'd always talked with people for for really twenty twenty five years about riding the wave of feeling, riding the wave of feeling. And, and, and then neuroscience started to explain what I'd been saying for years. And that is that roughly is, um, not roughly speaking, but, but that, <laughs> that I'm trying to figure out the, the, the way I want to say it, that sure. when a, when a feeling, when a feeling gets activated within us, when, the, when uh, our, bra- our brain our brain releases neurohormones and it activates bodily sensations. And the, so it's like, a, it's like a wave of feeling comes over us. And it's, it's really kind of that bodily sensation wave. And, and the truth of it is, is that sen- that wave lasts roughly 60 to 90 seconds. Hmm. So that if someone starts to feel something that they don't really want to be feeling, like, being sad or being disappointed or being embarrassed or being angry, all they have to know is that, that, that they're going to experience a wave of those feelings that last roughly 90 seconds. Hmm. So that it's like, and, and most people, when I tell that to, to them, go, oh, I can do 90 seconds. <laughs> yeah, I can do anything for right? 90 seconds. <laughs> right? And, 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 and as, a, as a client said to me many years ago when I first related this information to her, she looked at me in the face and she goes, you know what, that's less than, that's less than a song. And so, as I, I mean, I've always held on to that because it was such a beautiful way to, to remember it. It's, in fact, it's less than half a song. Right. So, so the key is just be open and willing to ride the, if you will, those bodily sensation waves that let you know what you're feeling emotionally and understand it might not be just one wave, it may be one or more waves. So, so my, kind of the, the way I like to position all of this is that if you can ride one or more 90-second waves of one or more of eight unpleasant feelings, you can go pursue anything you want in life. Wow, that's pretty profound. So you're saying that in, that if you're if you can feel the unpleasant feelings, allow the wave to wash through your body for 90 seconds, 
correct. Of all of those eight different types of feelings. Feelings, you, right. Yeah, that you can do anything. You can do anything. Pursue anything you want. And again, pursue anything. So it's, one, it's, it's one or more 90-second waves. It's, it's one or more of eight unpleasant feelings. And yeah. understand that it's not, it's not going to be all eight feelings at once. It's right. moment by moment as you live your life and you face the different experiences in life, different kinds of feelings are going to be evoked. Just stay present to those feelings and, st- and, and move towards them rather than away from them, from them, and you'll be amazed at what happens to you. Huh. Awesome. And, the, and is that like, you know, people often grieve, you know, or, or they cry for hours. I mean, is that a way of dealing with them, like wave upon wave, or how, you know, like uh, explain sort of what is happening with, with that aspect of it? So there's a couple, there's a, it's a great question. There's a couple different things with that. One is I like to think of grief as waves of waves. Yeah. So anybody that's experienced a significant loss or is, or is you know, grieving some el- aspect of their life or some element of their life story, <coughs> excuse me, uh, that, that they should understand that those, those feelings can come up spontaneously and with some intensity. And, and you, just, you just have to be willing, again, and open to writing waves of ways as it has to do with grief. And, mm-hmm. and that over time, uh, that they will always subside. Again, it, all you have to do is use the metaphor of an ocean and, and that this notion of, of walking alongside that ocean shore and waves come up at different, different intensities. They linger for a moment and they always subside. And the same is true for the feelings that we experience. They, um, they come up, they come up with varying intensities and then linger and they, yet they always subside. So with grief, and with any other feeling, it's just knowing that they're always going to subside. And you asked a second question with the grief, though. It was it was it, the notion here is that the key one is probably that it's waves. Yeah, waves. exactly. Uh, the second, the second, there's a second piece to it. Yeah. Anytime, anytime we we continue to run a particular experience over and over and over in our minds, right? And we're thinking about that experience people just have to understand that what they're going to do is they're also going to elicit the same feelings that are attached to that memory. So every time you keep on rethinking my boyfriend left me or my girlfriend left me or whatever, and yeah. or I'm angry about some situation that happened at work, every time you keep on running that same memory or that same story through your mind, it's going to run those feelings over and over again too. So sometimes people feel like the feelings don't go away and part of the reason they're not going away is because you keep on running the same memory over and over again. Hmm. Hmm. So, so if you're kind of in an obsessive loop or you're constantly, you know, uh, focusing on this or you've got a lot, you're carrying a lot of this with you, um, how do you transition? Because I think it is about changing the story that you focus on, you know, uh, really looking at, and I, I found this recently in terms of uh, some of the things that are going on is, Look at what you can do. Look at what you what is actually happening. You know, don't be triggered by some of the stuff that you're seeing. Um, you know, and I and I find that I I'm more at ease and present and able to move forward. And great stuff is happening. So, how how do you how do you get out of that loop? I, yeah, well, you're, you've already addressed a couple possibilities. The other thing that I like to think of is if somebody continues to run an experience over and over, there, there's they're attempting to get some measure of resolution to something. They yeah, haven't resolved exactly. something. 
And right. and th- so there's two there's two ways to go with this. One is that uh, kind of living with the recognition that we can't do what was undone, and we can never undo what was done. Right. Right. So we right. have to live with that understanding, and I think even just no uh, coming to the end of the awareness of having that understanding, I think can change things. The second is that if you continue to run multiple loops of the same memory, then just start to become aware that you feel unresolved about something and start to ask yourself the question, what, what would allow me, if, if it were resolved, what would allow me to let go of this memory? So what, what is it that I need to have resolved or what is it that I'm attempting to resolve by running over this memory over and over and over again? Right. So understand why why is that memory constantly being uh, you know, triggered or carried or thought mm-hmm. about? And and right. and then yeah. And I I really liked what you said about uh, how, how, what is what are you trying to resolve? It's almost like what what am I trying to learn here, or what what am I trying to fix, or kind exactly. of. It's kind of like, okay, understand that part. And also, I think what's important is you talked earlier about, you know, not judging. And I think that's super important is to also have that self-compassion about, you know, you're okay. This is, you, you, you know, things are fine, right? Or, or maybe they're not fine, but you have what it takes to actually master this. You know, sort of Correct. like the, the, the confidence, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but the, that, that gives you the sense of, look, I, I got this, <laughs> you know, right. I, got, I, I got this, I can handle it, you know, it, uh, and you have more, you know, we go to the gym, right, and we exercise at the gym, and the, the, the instructors always say, you know, you've got more in you than you know, you know, your, your body can do more than you think, and I think in the same way, you know, emotionally and, and uh, through our thoughts and our sense of beings and the mastery of our own um, in sense of mindfulness and and that aspect, I think we have more strength than we know, right? I think it absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yes, yeah. And, and I, the, the challenge is the challenge is that people tend to look for the negative, right? Anticipate the negative as opposed to going the other direction, and at least matching that and looking for the positive and anticipating the positive, right? Exactly, exactly. And learning how much, you know, what, where you're focusing your mind, you know, and, and bring it back to the master control center, as Angie Jonesy talks about, you know, bringing it back in so that you're, you're able to, uh, you know, see it from an all perspective, you know, or like we we're talking about with Nadine about the seven characters or, you know, mastering the flow state or things like that. I, I, I just think that what you really, been able to tease out with your decades of research is sort of the the kernel of uh, and I mean like the the nut of it you know this is really the fundamental piece of how to master this this evolving world and be the evolution we want to be rather than the reaction uh, the outcome of a reactionary um, existence right um, yeah, absolutely true and and in fact we can use our values. The values that we the values that we want to be, uh, yeah. the values or the qualities that we want to say that we have, uh, we can actually choose into those and use those also as a way I think to modulate feeling to help to help um, to help us experience and move through our feelings more gracefully. 
Right. That's well said. Use our values. So, you know, it's a kind of a neat thing to write down. What are our, what is your values? You know, to the, our community outside listening at the moment or listening to the recording. What are the values that you want to embody? And sometimes taking the high road is, is the best thing, but often the hardest thing because all you want to do is get mad or, you know, get in a fight or whatever you want to do. But, but in fact, that the high road is, is the, is is the way to navigate to the best outcome you know and uh and but also don't stuff those negative emotions so you know when you're talking about dealing with the unpleasant trees or the the unpleasant feelings or feelings that you just don't want to feel um you know how 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 do how can i ride this wave you know what are some of the things that you recommend to people to uh, enable them to better ride a wave upon wave well, again, I, I, my thing is just to, the first is to have the awareness that a lot of what you don't want to experience is the bodily sensation or are the bodily sensations that let you know what you're feeling. And so what am I talking about here? You might get a yeah. heaviness in the chest when you feel disappointed. Uh, I used to have a, a, somebody that I worked with who, when she'd get angry, she'd feel heat in her arms. Another person I worked with would feel heat at the back of her neck when she got angry. Uh, you know, you might feel kind of sensations in your cheeks when you feel sad or tearful, or you might turn red when you red and get heated when you feel embarrassed. So it, it you know, your chest lights up or whatever. So it's it's just being aware of of kind of your body your body's expression of the sensations that are tied to the feeling that you experience, and be again, it's you you want to embrace it, you want to move towards it, and and just allow that wave of heat or the or whatever it might be to just just kind of run through you so your the notion here is that you're experiencing and moving through the feeling and nice. uh, you know so that so the biggest piece of the really the the whole the whole approach turns on my whole approach turns on that is kind of the, one of the most key elements uh, and and then and then we're talking about a handful of feelings we're not talking about you know 57 different varieties of feeling Right, no, it's, we're talking. We're talking about eight unpleasant feelings. That's yeah, it. And, and that, so it's not. It's you can not handle a lot. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I love your analogies. We've talked about this before about you know you, the movie Inside Out, right? And how yeah. joy and sadness became friends, right? And how That's the right. use of the use of sadness was how she actually was able to recover, you know, and I just found that, you know, you brought that up in a conversation we had at an event, and it was like, wow, that's so true, and I, and I, I think that's, in a way, what you're describing now is to is to use the the emotions and, and almost embrace them and don't, and allow that wave to go through you. Right. I have a story to tell. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure if I can fit it all in in the moment. You'll let me know that. Yeah, but I, 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 we're going to save that because I, we only okay. we have to right. go, we're going to break. So I think that's great. Let's let's come back after the break, and uh, Dr. Joan Rosenberg will tell us the story related to mastering uh, the unpleasant feelings and and using the complexity of these eight emotions to help us live a more vital, confident life. So we will be back after the break. This is Catherine Calarco with Humanity Evolve and our guest, Dr. Joan Rosenberg.
you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. This is Humanity Evolve with Katherine Calarco. To reach our show today, please call in to 1-866-613-1612. Again, that's 1-866-613-1612. Or you may send an email to info at ccalarco.com. Now, back to Humanity Evolve. We're back with Dr. Joan Rosenberg talking about how to live a confident and vital life. And just before the break, Joan was going to tell us a bit of a story uh, on on mastering uh, unpleasant feelings and using sort of moving towards uh, the unpleasant feelings. And uh, I'm just it, you, and we, you were talking a little bit about the movie Inside Out. So, Joan, uh, tell us the story. So it, it, it actually, it's in my book, Easier Anxiety, if people have an interest in it. But there's a, st a story that I tell about uh, two students that, that I had in a, I teach at, Pe at uh, Pepperdine University right now. And, and in, a, in the graduate program, I was teaching people how to do group therapy. And I was facilitating the group. And uh, two students kept on talking about how anxious they were. And, and you know, I understand anxiety and anxiety exists and that whole thing, but there are elements of it that I really kind of um, don't have quite the same level of belief in. And so I looked at the students and I said, mm -hmm. you know, I'm I'm not sure you're really experiencing anxiety and, and uh, kind of engaged them a little bit and said, would you be willing to play? And they said, yeah, they were really open to learning something different. So I asked them to think of a, an experience where they were anxious, that they would describe they were anxious. And and so they did, and they just they didn't have to tell me what it was. They just let me know that they they identified something. And then I said, if I take all the words of anxiety away from you, so fear, apprehension, scared, any of those kinds of things, gone. You can't use them. But what would you be feeling? So they tried to use those words anyway. But I said, no, nope, <laughs> can't do. What would you really be feeling? So one said sad, the other said angry. I said, oh, okay, hmm, interesting. And then I hmm. said, now go back to that same situation and. You know, the person that said that they felt sad, you allow yourself to feel sad in that situation. And the one that felt angry to feel anger in the situation. And they did. And then I looked at them. I said, and, and while you're experiencing the anger and the sadness, do you feel anxious? And their answer was no. Huh. And, 
And it was, so they were kind of like bemused or curious at that point. And, and I said, I, there's another element here. I said, did it happen to involve another person? And both of them said, yes, it did. And, and so I, I looked at them and I said, and did you, we looked at the one and said, did you happen to tell the person that you were sad about whatever had taken place? And looked at the other person and said, did you, and did you happen to tell, you know, the person involved that you were angry? And both said no. Hmm. And then, and then this big grin came across their faces. Right, they got it. So what they what they got was that it was easier for them to allow themselves to experience what they would describe as anxiety within themselves than to feel the real feeling. In one case, which was sadness, the other was anger, and and also to do what it took to be in that situation, which was to ex- experience not only experience the feeling but express it appropriately as it was called for in that situation. And, and because they didn't do either one, they neither expressed it, nor did they allow themselves to be fully in touch with the truth of what they're experiencing. They then felt anxious. So, so, you know, part of the way that you can develop the confidence and part of the way that you can feel more inner peace, more confidence, more, less anxiety is to notice be aware of, stay in touch with the truth of what you are experiencing and where it's appropriate, also express it. Wow, that's that's an amazing, I I think that's profound. I I have... um, like when you're when you're when you're avoiding that the confrontation or having that conversation with someone or not wanting to have or express that. I mean, I see that in workplace environments and uh, and in other situations. How do you have that conversation? What are the ways to have that positive dialogue around that feeling of sadness or or anger? You know, the, my whole thing is that, it, it, one, is to understand that it doesn't have to be expressed in an escalated sort of way. Right, so exactly. So I, 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 don't, I don't have to, my, you know, like if you and I were in conversation and I was disappointed about something between yeah. us, I yeah. wouldn't have to raise my voice and, you know, and I don't want to escalate it over, over the, the interview, <laughs> but I don't have to raise my voice and be totally escalated for you to hear that I'm, I was really disappointed about something or angry about it, I could just say, hey, you know what, Catherine, that really made me angry. Yeah. And I would yeah. get the point across just as effectively as if I, actually more effectively than if I started to yell or put anybody down. The, right. other, the other is that I also hold, one of my highest values is, is being kind. And I mm. always talk about being positive, kind, and well-intentioned. So. Right. So that so that one would approach a conversation in a workplace or any place else for that matter, from a positive, kind, and well-intentioned place. Well, that means no put downs, nothing that's going to diminish somebody else's integrity in any way. And and so I'm going to approach you from a place of kindness, and and I'm going to say, look, I want to talk about something that that's affect, affecting me or affecting my work productivity or affecting my connection with you or whatever it might be. You speak to how you speak to the thing that's being disrupted that you want that is positive and that you want back. Mm. So, so, so you know what, Catherine? I want to I want to talk to you about something that's happened between us. Because, as an example, because um, because I realized that uh, you know I'm feeling a little bit more distant, or it's 
It's making me feel like I want to pull away as opposed to come close. And I want to talk to you about X, Y, and Z because I know that it'll allow us to feel close to you or allow me to feel close to you again and, and want to hang out with you more and whatever else. So right. you, when, you, when you speak to the positive thing that's being disrupted, then it gives every reason to address the feeling or the experience that has disrupted it. Right. So you, what you're saying is that if is that if you start from the kindness, you know, you start from the value, and really it's articulating that this is a barrier to achieving the positive result that or the relationship right. connection or the the aspect of it, and really have that conversation in that tone, people can feel that they know that you're not after you, they know that it's about you, and they know that there's it's almost like oh I didn't know that oh uh, okay well sure like you're working to to resolve an issue rather than create more conflict or power struggle or or discord or geez I'll be judged if people think I'm upset you know so you know I, I do, uh, do a lot of events um, in digital health and mindfulness and things like that and I've had conversations with um, people at large corporations where they're you know really constrained by having to always positive be like this superhuman and they they struggle with it so they've often created mindful groups so they can have vulnerable conversations that help them to kind of release or uh, be uh, able to articulate um, sort of these unpleasant feelings um, so that and, and I think what you've talked about here in terms of having a you know starting with that kindness uh, having a modality, a few questions, and a way to actually have the conversation is uh, pivotal in changing the ability to have unpleasant feelings, but also on how to not have them be destructive. Right, so, right. And the, the other thing that you can do is you can do what I call be, be, be preemptive. So uh -huh. if, you know, if you also want a, a really effective one in any kind of a relationship, it's to speak to the obstacle Right. To speak to the obstacle that you're expecting in the conversation before you before you talk about the topic of the conversation. So in this case, it would it's by way of example between you and me, it would be, sure. "Hey Catherine, I, you know, I really want to talk to you about something, but I'm afraid that you might laugh at me or right. ridicule me if I tell you what I want to talk about." Well, the immediate pull is to to the person who's listening is to go, "No, I won't." <laughs> yeah, and now, exactly. right? It's, it, it's yeah. like no, okay, I, I no, I'm not going to do that. And so now I can tell it. Now I can tell it to you with far less concern that the thing I'm afraid of is going to happen. Right, right. And in a way, it makes the other person conscious of their reaction and which and being mindful of that. Right, and right, they they'll, 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 they'll actually show up as a better listener. Yeah, exactly. It kind of goes, okay, don't do this, right? Uh, so how do these feelings relate to that feeling of feeling more confident? So how does it create that, um, you know, to live a confident, more vital life? Well, the, there's two things that really stand out for me. I, and I, I also say this in the TED Talk. Yeah. I, I really believe that a person does not feel fully capable in life and feel really emotionally strong, like unwavering emotional strength until they experience themselves as being able to uh, experience and move through those eight unpleasant feelings. Mm. So I think the experience of capability, the, the yes. experience of 
emotional strength comes from the knowing, the deep knowing within ourselves that we we can tolerate, we can bear, we can experience and move through those eight unpleasant feelings. Wow, I love that. I love that. So, Un- so that. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. So no, so so it's so it's by by its very nature, being able to do that gives you confidence. Hmm. So and, un- and and the the second part of it is when we when we experience the truth of ourselves, when we experience our truth, when we are truthful about our experience, however you want to say it. And we allow ourselves to be in the experience we're having, if that makes sense. Then, so if I'm sad, I'm sad. If I'm angry, I'm angry. Right. If I'm disappointed, right. I'm disappointed. Uh, if I'm if I'm uh, content, I'm content. It's not, we can go the positive ones too. It's just that yeah. the, those the pleasant ones tend to be easier to to experience. So that's that's why my focus is on the unpleasant ones. It's not because I you know it's it's just I just know the power of them. Yeah. So that so that when we're in our truth, that also gives us confidence. Mm-hmm. It's when we separate, when we try to distract and move away from, or disconnect from, or hide, or shut down, or I, mean, I can go on and on. Yeah. Avoid, deny, you know, diminish, doubt, question, <laughs> uh, whatever it is that we're experiencing. We've now taken away the very thing that allows us to be confident. Huh. We've now moved away from what helps us feel more settled and sure within ourselves. Right, and it's kind of like when you are unwaver unwavering emotional strength. So, yes. So basically, this builds the capability. Almost like, okay, I know I'm sad, and that makes me confident because I'm not trying to hide that. Uh, it contributes to that, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. We only have a it's few not, minutes, and yeah, yeah. yeah go ahead. Uh-huh. So we only have a few minutes, and I really want to end on a, end on this because I think it's very important. What is sort of the emotional strength that comes from this, and how do you actually, you know, what are some additional knowledge regarding this living this confidence and vital life? Well, again, the 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 big thing that I would put on neon is is that when you have the knowledge that you can experience and move through those eight unpleasant feelings. One, you can pursue anything you want in life. Why? Because you're going to be able to face whatever feeling outcome results from something not working out well or not working out the way you wanted. And that it's, it's one half of my equation of what emotional strength is all about. So, so feeling capable comes from being able to experience and move through those eight unpleasant feelings. The other element of feeling confident is actually being able to be okay with being alone and, so the big underline, the and, and being able to um, lean on others. So independence and dependence. And, and that when you feel like you can be okay with leaning on others, then you are open to, act, open to acknowledging your needs and limitations. And when you are willing to do that, then you are open to asking for help. So the asking for help it puts it under emotional strength. So emotional strength, being confident, are tied to feeling capable, think eight unpleasant feelings, and resourceful, think asking for help. And both of those define uh, 
just define for me or redefine emotional strength. And that's, you know, I just think both, both parts of that are super important. The capability, feeling capable and uh, being resourceful. That is excellent. I, 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 I'm gonna, I've written this down. Emotional strength of feeling capable and, and resourceful. resourceful. And resourceful. And the, and the key element under, be, under being resourceful is asking for help. Asking and that for asking help. for help is seen as emotional strength. Right. Right. And people want to help you. So yeah. uh, this yes, is... They do. This is they totally do, and and uh, and it creates a deeper connection. And we're out of. Uh, this has been an amazing conversation. I want to continue it. Uh, please connect with Joan Rosenberg. Her TED Talk is on YouTube. Um, search for Dr. Joan Rosenberg. She also has the Mind Stream podcast. The URLs and information is on Voice America page. Also, continue the conversation with me at Kath Calarco on Twitter or via my LinkedIn. Uh, and all that information is on Voice America page for Humanity Evolve. This has been an amazing conversation. We are now left with the key techniques of how to live a confident and vital life by building emotional strength and having the capability and resourcefulness needed to have a vital life. And all it takes is being is 90 seconds to manage that wave of unpleasant <laughs> feelings right. for 90 seconds. That's right. That's right. We can wave do it. Feeling. 90 second wave. That's right. We can do it together. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. All right, people, yeah. thank you so much. It's been a complete joy and my pleasure. Thank you, Joan, for being on board and today. And a, what an amazing conversation. I hope you've all gotten something out of it. Please text and, and email us and keep us informed as to your success. This is thank you so Catherine. Much. You're welcome, Joan. This is Catherine Calarco and Dr. Joan Rosenberg on Humanity Evolve. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining Catherine Calarco for this week's edition of Humanity Evolve. Be sure to tune in again next Tuesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. We'll talk again then.